career sucks. Sex just isn't the same. What's my purpose? Where did this fat come from? Divorce is killing me. I'll never be happy. My debt is piling up. Kids are gone. Now what? I'll never find love. Why can't I be like the other guys? Hey guys, gay, straight, and everything in between. It's time to get a grip. Stop whining, make a bold move, and do something amazing with your 40 plus life. Let's get to the show with your Tell It Like It Is host, Rick Clemens, who does his best to never act like a dick, unless you act like one first. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of 40 Plus Real Man Real Talk. I'm your host, Rick Clemens, and I've got a little weight to shed, and literally and physically, all that sort of stuff, and all that stuff about thoughts and everything else that weigh us down, but um, I'm working on it. I'm starting to drop some weight. I'm starting to let go of some stress. I'm starting to let go of the shit that is probably killing me, and I have a friend of mine who we met through several different places between World Domination Summit, Jonathan Fields Good Life Project Camp. We're both in the speaking arena. We're both in the working with people on personal stuff. His name is David Conley. His company is Limitless, and he works with leaders to lose weight, whatever that weight may be, but a lot of times it's the physical weight. But what he and I both know is it's just not about the physical weight. There's so much else. And when I asked him to come be on the podcast today, I said, so, David, what should we talk about? And he said, in a different voice, completely different than what I just did, <laughs> um, I think we should talk about the stuff that's killing us, guys. And I'm like, you got it. We're going. So, welcome to the podcast, man. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Oh, thank you so much, Rick. It's a real pleasure. Yeah. And da David was on my other podcast, Life Uncloseted, and we had a, a really good conversation there. So, I know I could probably just like shut up right now and David could just take this. He could be the guest host. He could just talk about this stuff. But um, you had a big change in your life. You lost a lot of weight and you lost something very precious to you. But um, let's kind of start with the weight. The weight was coming off because it needed to, right? Even though you Absolutely. Um, you know, I just turned, I think I just turned 40 uh, and, and my, my, I went to my annual physical uh, mm -hmm. And uh, the the doctor, you know, you, you get that uncomfortable cupping and a finger where it, it, it where he says it's not going to hurt, but it, sometimes it does. Right. Uh, and uh, after it was all said and done, you know, he sort of like leans in uh, on me and and in this in this conspiratorial tone and says, "Look, at the end of the day, three things get us all: heart disease, cancer, or stroke, and it's not unusual." for someone in their 40s to have one of those. Mm -hmm. uh, the difference between you at your weight and everyone else is that if it does not kill you, it will debilitate you for the rest of your life. You have got to lose weight. That was like a no kidding, right? And right. indeed, I've had, I've had, um, uh, now that I'm, I'm, you know, on the, on the, on the, on the, uh, on the far side of, of uh, 45, not on the, on the near side of, right. of uh, 40. Um, I've had friends die of heart attacks. Mm -hmm. uh, I went to my high school reunion a couple of years ago and we, uh, we were, we started talking about all of the guys that were no longer there. Mm. Um, I've had a, a good friend, uh, you know, have a stroke uh, and he's been recovering from that in the last, uh, uh, last few months. Fortunately, he will be one of those people that recovers fully, but that's no kidding. I mean, right. to, to think you have a, a, a heart disease, cancer, or stroke. Yep. 
And the truly the difference between me and everyone else was it was definitely going to kill me. I had to make that change. And it, and, uh, over the course of three years, I lost 150 pounds. Wow. And the inevitable question besides yeah. physically, what has it done for you? Because I think <laughs> this is something that we kind of intuitively know it, but I know yeah. cause I dropped a bunch of weight many years yeah. ago. I'm back up some, but I remember when I went through that, Oh God, it changed so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you literally carry that part of your identity around with you, yep. right? You're known and you feel like you'll always be the fat guy. Yep. Um, uh, you know, you're, you're, you know, if somebody doesn't know your name, if they don't start with buddy, they usually start with, Hey, big guy. Right. <laughs> yep. And, uh, losing that weight, you know, your brain has to catch up actually. It, mm-hmm. um, a couple of years ago, I was on a plane, uh, going from, uh, San Francisco to, to Washington, DC. And I was, I was like the last guy on the plane. I was, it, which is not my way. I, I'm normally the first guy, you know, like waiting like an hour, extra hour right before, but I was just, I was running late. I got through security and I ran all the way to the plane and I got on it. And, uh, when I got on, there was already, uh, I had a window seat and there was somebody in the middle seat and there's somebody on the aisle. And so, mm-hmm. you know, they got out and I knew they were sort of annoyed with me and I put my, stowed my bag and I sat down and I was getting situated. And actually the person in the middle seat leaned over and just started this really pleasant small talk. That was great. And then she says, Oh, thank God you're not one of those fat people. And I was like, Oh, that <laughs> wow. for a long time I was. And, but right. yet I looked down and I could see the seat, you know, right in between mm. the, the uh, armrest and the seat. I could see some. That wasn't the case for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hated flying as a senior executive. I mean, before sure. the work that I do now, I used to, you know, invent large parts of the internet and parts mm-hmm. of the, and run uh, uh, systems for the federal government. But um, uh, that was a time when I was also 330 pounds and wow. I'm not. So it's a big identity shift. And why do you think from what you've learned as you've gone through this, but as you continue to work on this, and I know you're working on your new book, which we'll talk about as well, but why do you think guys don't pay attention to this stuff? Why do you think it's like, oh, we can do this. We're going to get through, you know, da, 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 and then it hits. And then suddenly it's a whole different ballgame. But guys tend to just shy away from looking at this. Uh, I believe that masculinity gets conflated with this uh, stoic, self-reliant, self-assuredness that's that's killing us. I mean, we're just terrible at self-care. Under stress, women tend to congregate and men tend to isolate. And our stoic nature and socialization just makes us half as likely than women to get preventative care. We're drinkers, we're smokers, we even avoid vegetables. We get a lot less mental health help and the fear of hospitalization keeps men from talking about suicide. Yet, the world over, just in the United States, we are uh, six times more likely to be murdered uh, mm-hmm. And we are twice as likely to die as, uh, from accidents as women. Uh, and we're six times more likely to die of suicide. 
Uh, and that's a crisis. That is the number one preventable cause of death in men. Mm-hmm. Suicide only drops in men because other causes of death grow as we mm-hmm. age. It mm-hmm. remains one of the top four causes of death for men for 20 years until we're 54. Wow. That's crazy. The American Psychology Association just this last year released guidelines for, for uh, treating men. They've had guidelines for women and girls mm-hmm. for decades. Just this last year, they said, oh, you know what? Guys have some, uh, some issues we really need to be talking about. And so APA just uh, released, um, I mean, they've had it for everyone. They've had it for the LGBT community, mm-hmm. ethnic minorities, older folks, everybody. And it's just now that they're saying, oh, you know what, guys, we have specialized issues. So these are the things. I think at the core of it, it becomes this masculinity thing where we get uh, socialized. Yep. Uh, and then the actual stuff that um, are there to support everyone else, mm-hmm. uh, uh, women's issues um, and anybody except men, yep. they get massive amounts of support. Men, we sort of go it alone and uh, governments and uh, the medical community pay no attention. I mean, I could talk about this forever. I mean, of insurance course. companies don't, uh, don't care. Um, medical providers don't care. And, and, and it just shows up because, uh, and, and yet women, you know, their early, uh, earliest um, cancer screenings happen at 20 and their next one happens at 50. Right. Uh, but for men, or 40. Uh, first mm-hmm. cervix and then and then breast. All right. Uh, and for men, our first one, if we remember, is fifty for exactly. our colon. But yeah. you know what kills men is prostate cancer. Absolutely. <laughs> but we don't even talk about that. I don't know about you, but in middle school, that was we had like a five-minute discussion about checking our balls for cancer, and right. we, we laughed exactly. about it, and that was it. Yeah. You know, that was it. It's, it is insane how much we don't pay attention. And even as, I, even as I started to put this concept of this podcast together, David, one of the first things I do, because I'm a marketing guy, is like, okay, well, let's go do the research. How many podcasts are out there for men? And as I searched, I started getting Lewis Howe's podcast. Well, that's not just for men. Mm-hmm. And then I got Tim Ferriss. Well, that's not just for men. Yeah. And I kept getting all these great podcasts, yes, mm-hmm. that are by guys that – and I'm like, why are these falling in the category of men? Well, they have subject lines that are good, yes, but they're not just for men. Yeah. And that's when I realized this is something that needs to happen. You know, this is something that needs to happen. Now, even as I look at men's groups, there's men's groups out there. But if you look at men's groups and men's retreats and you look at that against the volume of women's groups and women's conferences and women's retreats, it pairs horribly in comparison. We it just, are it, in crisis. Yes. And we're just now, as, as David and I were talking about before we got <laughs> on here and started recording, there is so much that's just now coming about where, okay, yes, we'll let men do this. We'll give men the permission to go explore this. We'll give men permission to, I hate to say cry because that's kind of one that's been used many times, but we'll give men permission to feel, mm-hmm. emote, to have something besides anger as an emotion. And to me, since we're talking about what kills men, I feel like that's part of what's killing men. We can't show emotions. We can show anger. We can show cockiness. 
-hmm. we can show competitiveness, but outside, oh, and we can come, you know, we can, you know, we can show uh, how, how big is my schlong compared to yours. That's about (laughs) it. But we can't really do anything else because that's what men aren't supposed to do. Mm. And so suddenly we bottled this all up and then what happens? Men commit suicide. Yeah. Men kill other men. Mm-hmm. Men drink and then they kill themselves because they're drinking either because they drank too much or they're drinking and they have a drunk driving. And I just wonder how much different we would be as a society if we said, guess what? Guys, gather around, have harmony. Let's do this in a circle. In fact, David and I were talking about that before we came on the air too, mm-hmm. about me running a men's circle at World Domination Summit and that there were 26 guys that showed up for that particular meetup. And all 26 of them said, I don't have anywhere at home to do this kind of stuff. Mm. That's really sad when you don't have anywhere in your home environment to go have heart-to-heart conversations with another guy. If, if suicide is uh, the biggest preventable thing uh, for men, that means that every man that is listening to this podcast has a few things that they need to do today. Mm-hmm. And one of them is ensuring that you have the support around you from your friends and family. Mm-hmm. The second one is really, look, you got to get some mental health professionals, have them there, the counselors, the psychologists, the psych- uh, psychiatrists, the spiritual advisors, make sure that they're there and you're talking to them. Mm-hmm. And then you have to call a guy today. If you think somebody is even even slightly you know, off, just reach out to them because we need to be paying attention to this. If we're not doing it ourselves, we need to reach out to other men. It has mm-hmm. to happen and it has to happen today. Just and it has to be okay to reach out to another guy. Yeah. You know, have you, I, it's so funny because I just, I literally was just in the gym not an hour and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always laugh when I'm in the, maybe it's, well, no, it's not just this gym because I've seen in other gyms because I used to teach um, physical fitness class. I used to be a spin instructor and all that. Mm-hmm. But it's so funny when you go to a gym where, you know, like you're going down the hall and it's like, okay, the men's locker room is to the left and the women's yeah. is to the right. And, yeah. you know, they don't have the doors. It's like you just have those walls oh, that yeah, are yeah. the sound barrier. And you can hear the women all talking and chattering and you walk in the guy's locker room and it's just quiet. It's like, okay, we are now <laughs> in the zone. We do not look. Right. We do not right. look at somebody's dick. We do not no look chit-chat. at their ass. We do not even look at their face. But, okay, we might look at their face, but we got to make sure we just look at them and like, hey, right. how you doing, man? Because we are in the arena of men and anything that we do now will be misconstrued of, Oh, you know, and it's like, really guys, why can't we have conversations? And it's so funny that as soon as somebody starts a conversation, it's like, they're talking to each other. (laughs) You know, it's like, Oh God, guys just get over it already. You know, but uh, well, Rick, this is why this podcast is so important is just getting these conversations, uh, you know, by men for men around men and just say, look, you know, we're having this conversation, right. you know, take this in your real life. You know, mm-hmm. you, you, you have a platform, but you know what? This platform extends to everyone. It so does. get out there and, and, and reach out to these men. You know, it's interesting because I know you and I have both done lots of different parts of work on ourselves, but I remember a few years ago, I was involved with a men's group mm-hmm. that I was part of the staff and we did retreats um, in California and, and um, Seattle area. Yeah. I always remember at the end of the retreat, the, or the lead facilitator who, who does amazing work. Um, one of the things he always made sure he said is, so you're about to go back into the world. 
and you're going to have changed, but the rest of the world hasn't. Mm-hmm. And I always thought, mm, that's interesting, but it's so true. And then, and I remember my experience when I went through the first experience in that group, I had been in Seattle area and we were on an island and then we came back in and I remember walking around Seattle because I was staying there for the night before I went home and I was just, I felt so alive and awake and I'm like, but wait, everybody else looks fucking miserable here, you know? <laughs> and I thought how poignant that that's how he, at le- he does prepare us for that because yeah. suddenly we're in this utopic space, which we all get to if we go to a conference, we come out, yes, we're going to go kill and slay the world and do and then we get on the plane and, you know, there's a screaming kid and the, the steward, the flight attendant's like in a bitchy mood and yeah. suddenly the plane's delayed and it's like, okay, mm-hmm. everything just went out the door, right? But I think it's important for us to acknowledge these things. Uh, get that in your head too mm-hmm. so that you're prepared yeah, and ready to step forward. And I feel like this is one area that men aren't really good at it's like you're gonna go out on the football field we're gonna crush them and da 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 we're going mm-hmm. to do this but no coach ever has ever said and if we don't win i still want you to be good to yourself i still want you to know they don't prepare it's like you're going to win and that's the goal but nobody prepares us not to win i i i hope and i believe that that's changing i went I to too. a um I went to a a a a, a, a future of sports um, conference a couple of uh, weeks ago here in San Francisco, and it had some amazing people there, uh, coaches from uh, and players from the NFL and from uh, from uh, baseball, uh, uh, golfers, a um, uh, lot of college, um, and uh, they were talking about what you know differentiates the champions from uh, from the people who want to be champions. Mm-hmm. And they highlighted a, uh, a one one um, one professional coach that was given everything that uh, that they wanted, and so they built this amazing team. And now the owner was like, "Okay, now you got to win." Mm-hmm. And he took that fear. And instilled it into his team. It's like now you got to win, and they had a uh, dramatically bad year, mm-hmm. uh, bringing that fear into it. Mm-hmm. And that's compared to an, another uh, team where uh, they um, they were at a at a clutch position, uh, where you know either that they were going to uh, make this last uh, a part. In, and get into the championship running or they were going home. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the coach brought uh, his, his team together on the sideline and said, look, uh, I know you guys know how to do this. Um, you've done this a million times. Uh, I don't care how you play. Um, I just know that I love you. And <laughs> they killed it. <laughs> you know, that happens over and over again. And so here we are at this amazing conference with all of these heavy hitters and everybody's just nodding their heads because that's what differentiates and that's the future of sports. And that's what differentiates champions is that they lead first with the heart mm-hmm. uh, because the, the mechanics of playing that's already built into them. It's already right. in their bones. Uh, and it's, it's the mind, body, heart, and spirit that um that that uh that produces uh world class uh behavior over and over again absolutely and it's interesting that you're operating in this space of the the losing the weight 
and tying it back into leadership because what you just described was here's one really heavy weight of one way it was approached. And here's a lighter weight of here's what we can run with. Here's how Mm -hmm. we can run with this and do this. Yeah. And I know as somebody who's battled the bulge all my life. um, And I hate, I actually hate that term. It's like, I'm just somebody who's been fluffy and I did, I can tell you why, because, you know, my grandmother always fed all his grandkids, all this stuff. And then, you know, my mom, like God love her. She, she didn't cook bad. It's just, we kind of ate what we wanted to. And then, then there was the other grandma who's like, no, you're not eating this. You're only eating this. So there was this conflicted food thing going on constantly. So I know what it is. Yeah. I do not eat myself emotionally. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not an emotional eater. I just eat blindly. I know that's what happens for me, but I think it's interesting that you're diving into this, especially for men in these leadership roles and helping them see that this weight is all is physical, but it's also so much more. And before we wrap it up here, I want you to talk a little bit about this book that you're working on and bringing to the world, because I think it's important for men to start owning up to the fact, except us boys who've been the fat boys who could barely fit into a plane seat. Yeah. Um, that every guy has a weight battle to conquer and it's not just about the physical weight. So share with us a little bit about this book that you're bringing out to the world. So my book is called flying fat and it's a leader's guide, uh, to love, to weight loss and to living a kick-ass midlife. It's those three things together, really learning to love, to love yourself, as much as you love other people, as much as you love your vocation, because the more time that you spend on yourself and the thing that I had to learn, and I learned it in a very hard way, that I needed to love myself so much more, my mind, my body, my heart, and my spirit. And it brought so much more to my family and mm-hmm. uh, to the people that I loved. I had no idea how much I could, could do there. Do there, mm-hmm. And it fundamentally changed my work. It completely yeah. up leveled that. It changed me uh, in in it changed in my community, and it all it flipped my paradigm because I was rewarded so much for the work that I did because it mm-hmm. was world class work that was right. important. I spent all my time there, and I spent no time on myself. And I had a lot of the the same issues that you're describing of this really confused relationship with food. And we do most of our behavior around these unconscious patterns and how we feel. So being able to take those feelings and redirect them so that you're changing the relationships in small ways and changing Mm -hmm. those habits so that they start serving you rather than it being a constant battle. Nobody needs to be at war with themselves. That just is a shitty way to live. So like, how can you live so that you are mindfully eating how you are taking care of yourself and really understanding the self-care is uh, and really making it not only a priority, but also making it so easy rather than it being this weird struggle. And that's what Mm. I'm doing. That's awesome. And so needed and such a beautiful way to wrap this up because I love what you just said. Nobody needs to be at war with themselves. And I know for so many years through my coming out life of staying in the closet and even, you know, after when I came out of the closet and said, I'm not going to work for anybody else ever again. No, that is not happening. It was, I don't need to be at war with myself over so many things. 
And the more I embrace that, and I'm glad you shared that as kind of the wrap up here. <laughs> no, we didn't plan that guys. It was like, literally, he's just got this wisdom that comes out of him. But, um, I wish more men would adopt that, that concept that you don't have to be at war with yourself, number one, and you really don't need to be at war with anybody. You just got to go show up and do the thing that makes you come alive and then the war goes away. So um, looking forward to the book, my friend. We will have everything for you to connect with David and learn about his book, buy his book, get on those waiting lists for it to come out, all that good stuff. And um, if you're struggling with the battle of the bulge, you might just want to pick up the phone and call him. So thanks so much for being here, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Rick. It's a real pleasure. That's a wrap for 40 plus. Real men, real talk. Where size doesn't matter. We drop our bullshit, get over our screwed up fears, make bold moves, and live life without apologies. Don't forget to join us on Facebook at 40 Plus Real Men, Real Talk, where the conversations continue.